What's up, hour two of the Hoffman Show, live from the Bethesda Theater. Of course, on the Team 980, the free Odyssey app, and streaming live on YouTube, where you see Denton Day has joined me here backstage at the Bethesda Theater. And guess what, Denton? What's that? Uh, technically, you get to be not my beat today. Hey, I'll take it. I, I got to cover the directions we can go here, so I gotta, we got a lot of beats we can cover. Yeah, we do. Anthony, hit the fancy introduction, please. Today's top story, from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not my beat. Our interview with Kevin Burkhart, by the way, coming up at 5.15, so we'll get to that. Uh, then I was able to catch up with Kevin a little bit earlier today. But, Dan, I feel like we could either go, like, the, the beat of, like, Dan Quinn, coaching hirings, college right. football, quarterback stuff, anybody in the draft you like on the defense. Like, there's so many different ways. Or we could just do a full, like, what's going to happen What's right over there. here? What's, what should we expect if you're coming? It's sold out, by the way. It's sold out, which I feel bad then talking about it on air because either people are really excited or they're not going to be able to come. I mean, maybe people will be scalping tickets <laughs> Outside, I, can you imagine someone just standing on the corner of Wisconsin Avenue, be like, "I got, <laughs> I got two to uh, one hundred six seven versus the team nine eighty. Come get them." Yeah, I mean, you might have just given someone an idea. Uh, you know, the market demands are what they are. Uh, we were getting like a group text earlier from the boss about they, there's some people like had some extra tickets all of a sudden, and he walked by, and I was like, "Can I? Can we raffle them off?" And he was like, "No." And I was like, "It'd be fun on, though. Man. It'd be a great interaction." Come on, to uh, do it like we do our fantasy football league at the beginning of the year. You call in, you tell me why. You deserve the tickets. <laughs> uh, that's that's apparently not been shot down. I'm sorry. Uh, we'll see what shenanigans happen. Uh, you just get to sit back and watch. Watch yeah. the carnage. Yeah, pretty much. Place. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fun, though. I'm excited. I, I think it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And I think once people get a little bit of liquid courage in them, you'll yeah. start to see a side of, of some of your favorite hosts and some of your favorite personalities that you have not seen before. And Danny Rudy is going to do a common, uh, comedy. So yeah, so I think Danny's he's going to open with a roast. Which I can't wait. Which is like kind of, it's funny because like I feel like with a lot of our hosts, there's a lot of material that is very self-evident. I don't think it took him long to come up with some jokes. Yeah. yeah. I kind of wonder with me, because Danny's got a couple things that he rips me for on occasion, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what direction he's going to go, and honestly, that terrifies me. He, I don't know if I'm going to be a part of it, but he did. I, he, I was told producers are, are not. Yeah, so we're, we're off limits, yeah. but his joke with me was always when I used to do updates. I did updates for Grant Daniel like once because I was usually a morning guy. They're like, yeah. hey, you'll wake up at 3 a.m., come do it. Right. But it was just the way that I introduced myself. So it's been a joke for a year that every time he sees me, he introduced myself like I was doing an update because apparently to him it sounded funny. Oh. Yeah, That's, so I'm like, all right, I cool. I think a comedian, they latch on to one thing. Yeah. Mine's going to be something about fitness, whatever. Uh, that's, yeah, fitness that's, or something. That's, you know, it is what it is, which I'm going to then give into because we were, so Den and I were talking in the break. Um, I, I'm doing this terrible event that's going to be very fun called High Rocks in March, and we have like a big workout prep, like we are right. our sim tomorrow morning. So I'm probably not going to drink, which right. feels like that is like, there is a level of risk in that of being on that stage sober, <laughs> being the only person that's out there sober up there, <laughs> feeling some sense of responsibility and or shame. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Or I'll just be like, somebody get me like, a, give me something immediately. Yeah, I need, I need something. a drink. What do you want? I don't care. Give me just, one. Yeah. Give me something here and this will go by so much quicker. Yeah. Uh, so excited for that. Uh, doors at eight o'clock tonight. If you are, or sorry, doors six thirty tonight. Uh, if you're on the way, 
down. Uh, everything should get started around 8, but plenty of time to grab food, grab a drink, whatever it is, before Danny kicks us off here at the Bethesda Theater. Okay, let's let's talk about Dan Quinn, though, because that's yes. what most of the radio audience is actually interested in. <laughs> um, it sounds like from talking to you in the break and listening to you and Kevin the last couple of days, like you kind of are where I am on this, which is like this is a good hire. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of stuff that has to go right. But I think, I think the thing that separates where I'm at, I'm not necessarily from where you are, but from where a lot of other folks who aren't as excited seem to be is like all the stuff that's true with Dan Quinn was true with everybody else too. Right. And I think that's the thing that's getting lost here is like, well, he's got to hire a great offensive coordinator. And I'm like, so would Mike McDonald. And by the way, so would Ben Johnson because otherwise he's going to fail as a head coach. Like that's just the nature of it. Right. That, that, that's the nature of the beast. And I will admit that maybe the initial when it was, all right, Dan Quinn's likely going to be the guy, that might have been initially underwhelming. But as you learn more about the process that the leadership for this team went through, you start to understand he was never, like, the last guy on the list. Everyone's like, this oh. is Jim Zorn to, uh, all over again. And it is not – like, I, I think people forget what the Jim Zorn process was actually like, right? Because it was like, we hired this dude as offensive coordinator, and then in the middle of the night, we can't get anybody else. All right, we'll just give him the head coaching. This was not that at all. They interviewed everybody. Ben Johnson apparently wasn't the greatest interview from the jump. And it's very clear. Look, I mean, like, we've all done hard things in life, right? We, we've all broken up with people. If you do it via text versus in person, it, that's whack, right? So imagine doing an interview process, pulling out, not actually telling them while they're en route to you, and you decide, I'm not, I'm not there. So that when, when I heard that he wasn't a great interview and then I knew we knew how he pulled out, that all made sense all of a sudden, right? And I think what Dan Quinn is going to do is he is a, 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 ter- a terrific leader, right? But all of his dudes that he's ever coached love him. All yeah. of them. Yeah. Like, we're in an era where uh, player empowerment is greater than ever, right? Everybody has a podcast, and it's great. There's a lot of stories that are coming out about a lot of coaches that we kind of thought, but we never really knew. No one has ever said anything bad about Dan Quinn. And that, that to me, is, is very, very telling. So, yeah, he has to nail the offensive coordinator, but – Duh. Like, welcome to the NFL. Right, right. And as I said, the offensive coordinator turned head coaches also have to hire a great OC to buttress them so that they can continue to have play-calling responsibilities but put together a good game plan during the week. Nevertheless, a good defensive coordinator, obviously. Um, Now, one of the OC names that has come up that I think is particularly good to ask you about, (laughs) Mr. Late-Night College Football Man. Uh, For those that don't know, Denton also uh, doing great work at SiriusXM and their college football stuff, and uh, you had the late show. Yeah. So uh, you you watched plenty of the Pac-12. Right. Chip Kelly, UCLA, what he does out there – and what you think he could be as an NFL offensive coordinator, a position he's never had, by the way. Yes. He's an NFL head coach for four years, three in Philly, one in San Francisco. What do you make of Chip as, a, as an OC candidate? If you were just taking his mind for offense, I'd be thrilled. Because I think he could – I think he's a guy that is really good at adapting to his situation. You got to do that in college because, especially now, guys are in, they're out. You have to be really good at adapting your situation. So if it was just – Hiring the offensive mind of Chip Kelly, I'd be all for it. We should do it yesterday. But there is the person, too. And what Chip Kelly's biggest downfall was in the NFL is that he tried to coach an NFL team like a college coach where college coaches have all the power. They dictate when you wake up, what you eat, when you go to class. They dictate everything, and you can't do that in the NFL. These are grown men. These are grown professionals. So, yes, he would not be the head coach, so he would not – be in a position theoretically where he could be dictating everything, but 
do wonder how that transition will be on the person of Chip Kelly going from uh, being a head coach in college to the NFL, going back to college, and now taking a position where you do not have the final say on everything. That That's a very tough thing to do, and it's not like – it's not like he was forced into that, right? Like, there's there's certain guys where uh, you're not a head coach anymore. You it's just you've you failed enough to where you're not a head coach anymore. You have to you have to accept this reality. But uh, I think if he is choosing to do that, I do wonder if he actually is is fully grasping what he would be walking into. So that makes me a little nervous as far as Chip Kelly goes. Uh, and we've seen him bolt before, right? It's like we've seen yeah. him bolt, and I think there are other guys that would be available that are really, really good that you would not have to worry about bolting immediately if something better came up. So I don't disagree with you on a lot of what you just said, and especially the last thing, that there are other candidates that I like more. But I do think that Chip is interesting in that San Francisco – like his reputation in San Francisco was much better than it was in Philly. Yes. Some of that stuff that he tried in Philly, he went to San Francisco and was like, eh, okay, I understand. Right. Like I do think he learned from that experience. He also went two and fourteen because that roster was hoopsie. It was terrible. I went. I was looking at it earlier today. It was a bad roster. It was a bad, bad football team. So that reality is what it is. And, and you know, do you want a guy who's Last stop in the NFL was two and fourteen as a as a head coach. I mean, and it was also a long time ago. Like that was twenty fourteen. I think it was around. Um, I was twenty sixteen. It was before Shanahan. Yeah, twenty sixteen. But right. I, like, I do recognize. So, like, one of the things that I'm excited about about Dan Quinn is that he's been in this position before and he has an opportunity to learn from the mistakes. So I recognize that kind of bashing Chip Kelly for his mistakes is a little hypocritical, but that my biggest concern is just that because Dan Quinn's mistakes felt like they were less ruling with an iron fist and things just didn't go right. So I'm a little skeptical about Chip Kelly, but as you said, like I, I do think there are there are better options that maybe aren't as flashy. Maybe you'd actually get some people riled up in a negative way, but I think there are better options out there. Um, I need my guy Teresh uh, to tweet me, which inevitably he will because uh, he's always listening and he is the king of connections. Uh, Rush Manual <laughs> on Twitter. I'm yeah. Sure you follow. Like, I, I also wonder about the, the tree thing. You know, you get someone from the Kyle, uh, the Sean, the, the, that tree, there's going to be other options. If you do ultimately have the success that we hope that they have in mm-hmm. Clint Kubiak or Brian Greasy or whoever. So who is who is your number one? Do you have a number one? I don't particularly. I mean, I'm very intrigued by Clint Kubiak, mm-hmm. 36 years old, and he's in the exact role that McDaniel and Slowick have been in. Yes. Like, the guys that have done that job for Kyle Shanahan know how to then go to the next job and do really well. Right. And I think the familiarity of Dan and Kyle – I think the clearly whatever that position sets you up for and the the long term like and also I think that offense is good for young quarterbacks, right? Yes. Like if you yeah, are hey, we're gonna run the mess out of the ball until you react to it and then we're gonna hit you with a bunch of great play action stuff, like that's appealing. And they've also you know, I think people from that tree have, have been able to adapt that offense to personnel, Very whether well. it's the speed in Miami that mm-hmm. McDaniels has done you know, C.J. Stroud's strengths and, and some of the very specific receiver strengths in Houston and, by the way, hiding a battle line kind of in both places. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things to like about that that scheme, which is why it's now run by, you know, 70% of the league. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm intrigued by Clint Kubiak, but I, I will say one of the guys that I have found myself gravitating back towards is Frank Reich because I think he mm-hmm. got a, a raw deal in Carolina – 
Like I don't, I wouldn't want to coach in Carolina. Like I wish the best for Canales. I, I mean, that's that's going to be a tough spot to be in just because of the owner. But you look at what he's done with quarterbacks, and I, I do think there is an element. And maybe this is going to come off negative, but I don't know if he's going to be in the running for a head coaching job again. So you don't yeah. run the risk of having a good offense for a couple years or even just a year, and then he gets poached. So I think if you're in the process that the team is going to be in, where you're going to build ideally for the next couple of years and with a quarterback that is likely either going to be Drake May or Jaden Daniels. I mean, maybe something crazy happens and Caleb Williams is available. But, like, I think a guy like Frank Reich, if it is Drake May, I mean, I think he's over the moon with yeah. a guy like him. I don't know I don't know enough about Reich's personality. I mean, it seems like Dan Quinn can get along with anybody. That yes. seems to be the, yeah. the thing. I don't know about Reich's personality. And he's how a football works. dude. I've met him before. He's a football dude. He's, he's a Terp, which would be yeah. fun. You'd have a Salisbury guy and a Maryland guy <laughs> uh, running the commanders. So that would, that would certainly make uh, the state of Maryland very happy. Um, he's interesting because, like, you know, for his – horrible as Carson Wentz was here and he wasn't exactly great in Indy they did find a way to go nine was it nine and four or whatever it was down the stretch with him like it was crazy I, the I think they might have had 11 wins yeah like so that was Carson Wentz's last serviceable year in the NFL oh uh, you're talking to Indy I thought you meant the the year in Philly where he nearly won MVP when well, right no was that was that was pre-injury yeah wins. oh yeah, yeah you're Ray, right Reich has a Reich has a, a huge part in that that's kind of his claim to fame right but yeah I mean this dude got a statue of Nick Foles erected in Philadelphia yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's on the top of the resume because God bless Nick Foles, but like he really he got eighty eight million dollars because of that one playoff run and never really accounted for much after that. That is, yeah, he's dude's out of the league, which is nuts because that Super Bowl wasn't that long ago. Uh, Denton Day, you can hear him uh, obviously with Kevin Sheehan weekdays ten a.m. to one p.m. Appreciate you stopping by, sir. Absolutely. Hope to see everybody out there, and it's going to be a fun time. Yeah, it will be. And uh, next, you'll hear my conversation with Fox Sports lead play-by-play man Kevin Burkhart. He's called more Cowboys games than anyone, so I was like, <laughs> that's a good guess. Let's get Kevin. Uh, you'll hear my chat with Burkhart next. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app and, of course, streaming on YouTube at the Team 980. And right now, it is our pleasure to welcome in the man who has called more Dallas Cowboys games on television than anyone else while Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator there. It is Fox Sports play-by-play ace Kevin Burkhart. Kevin, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for your time. Craig, good to be back, buddy. Uh, All good, my friend. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a it's a fun time here in D.C. Um, obviously, it's not maybe the sexy hire, the young hotshot guy, but Dan Quinn, super solid. You've gotten to talk to him so much over the last three years. I say Dan Quinn to you. What immediately comes to mind? Well, I, I think I think it's a great hire, and and I know like you know Ben Johnson was linked for a long time, and uh, you know I'm sure Commanders fans think, okay, great, get the offensive coordinator, you know, figure out the quarterback, and go from there. But I, I, I think Dan Quinn's perfect for Washington for a number of reasons. A, I think he's an unreal culture builder and leader of men. I mean, anyone that's ever played for him, coached under him, um, there's so many coaches in the league that, you know, love him, a la, you know, LaFleur, Shanahan, the, you know, McDaniel, guys that just um, credit a lot of their success to him coaching under him. Uh, and then the players just run through a wall for him, right? So just in terms of a culture builder and a leader of men, and I, I think they need a whole culture re, you know, redo there, right? And I think that's what uh, Josh Harris and the new ownership is trying to do, just kind of start over um, and, you know, and, and, you know, start from square one, right? So I think DQ is a perfect guy to do that. And then I think, for me, 
when you look at Washington last year, the most disappointing thing was their defense. I mean, they've got good players on their defense, and they were atrocious in a lot of areas last year. And, and I don't know that a lot of people saw that coming. I think people thought they would struggle a little bit on offense, um, and, but the defense would keep them in, in a lot of games. Well, it really didn't. And, and I think if you want a guy to fix that, well, his defenses in Dallas were great every single year. And I know, uh, you know, the latest rendition example is the wild card game against Green Bay. They got torn up. Um, so that's tough if you're a Washington fan. You're just looking at that. But look at the body of work, uh, his time in Dallas. Look at the body of work, his defenses. And I think he he grew so much as a defensive coordinator in Dallas than, than he had been in Atlanta and Seattle. He's told us that many a times. He's added so many different things to his repertoire. So I think you look at all that. I think it's really the perfect hire for them. Now they just got to figure out who's going to be the offense coordinator, who's going to be the quarterback next year. Yeah, small small little things that every NFL team doesn't struggle with for decades. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Uh, just ask, you know, this team or the Chicago Bears or uh, on down the list. Uh, things go. Um, I, I, you talk about the things that he's learned, the way he's adapted. Um, I think there's very basic things that f- most football fans understand. Like he ran that cover three basically exclusively in Seattle and they, they were the best defense in football two years running with him as the DC there. He now runs a bunch of different coverage structures and mixes it up. But you know, since you guys talked to him about it, what are some of the things he learned? And maybe even if there were any points in those discussions where he talked about like, Hey, if I'm ever the head guy again, I definitely do this differently than he did in Atlanta and how that evolution happened over the last, let's say decade since he left Seattle. Well, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, you know, yes, that you're exactly right. That was the system in um, Seattle, and he carried that over basically to Atlanta. Well, then you think about that, where they were predominantly zoned, and they played the most man in the NFL this year, right? And the reason is because he adapted to his personnel. You know, they had guys that played man very, very well, and they had three big safeties who can run and cover tight ends and, and, and versatile. They had a lot of versatile players, like these hybrid you know, quasi linebacker safety guys that were able to do a lot of different things with. And he figured out how to use them all in ways that got the most out of them, you know, with Hooker and Curse and Donovan Wilson. Um, I thought it was awesome what he did with them. So I think just that alone, his ability to change and adapt to personnel, his ability this year to move around Micah Parsons more than anything else. And people say, okay, well, that's easy. You, you move Micah Parsons from one side to the middle. But what you don't realize is that affects the whole rest of the defense, right? When he moves, there's got to be communication with everybody else to account for where he's not. So I, I just think his, those are two examples I give about things that he has done to change and how he's adapted. And to me, that's the number one thing. But I think in a head coach, look, in today's NFL, you're obviously a lot of the time looking for an offensive play caller because then you don't lose the play caller, right? The play caller stays as head coach. You're not going to lose them in a year or two to a head coaching job. But I think the number one thing is you got to have a leader of men. Um, you know, and, and I, I look at D'Amico Ryan this year in Houston. They, a big reason why they won, he was so revered as a player and certainly as a, you know, staff member and then defensive coordinator of 49ers as a leader of men, as a guy that controlled the room. And I think that's what you're looking for. I don't think there's anybody better than building a culture than Dan. I, I, I don't. So I, I really like that for Washington for that hire. Kevin Burkhart, Fox Sports, with us here on the Hoffman Show. So, Kevin, I will now do the thing that I've done to basically everyone who says what you just said uh, and ask a question on behalf of the fan base. I've certainly given my answer, but uh, culture builder, yada, yada, that stuff sounds a lot like what Ron Rivera was supposed to be. Um, 
when you look at DQ, why do you think it's going to be different uh, for DQ than it was for Rivera for any reason that you see fit? Well, I think the biggest reason is because they've got a completely different uh, hierarchy, uh, right? New ownership group. And then, you know, a lot of new parts in the front office. And Adam Peters is a guy who is ultra respected around the league. And I think he's really smart. Um, you know, he worked well with John Lynch in, in San Francisco. And I know he thought highly of him. And, and I think you have to have that working together scenario where the front office and the head coach are, you know, in step. I, I think San Francisco is the model, right? That's the model where you have a GM and a coach who are tight, who get along, who make decisions together, but they don't interfere in one another, one other's business. There's still like kind of a separation there. They work together on everything, but there's still like, you know, John's a GM, Kyle's a coach. There's no overlapping. Well, I think when Ron was there, there was nothing but overlapping and everything else that, you know, I, I don't think it was ever a clean operation. So that's the difference. I, I, and I think it could be a potentially a huge difference. No, I, I totally agree. Um, I am curious real quick, uh, since you do spend an inordinate amount of time with Greg Olson, and you guys did cover a number of Washington games, even if it was mostly when they were playing Dallas, uh, because that's what your bosses like to do is send you guys to Dallas Cowboys games. Um, you know, what, what were, when you would talk to Greg about what went wrong here and what needed to change here, because he knows Ron so well, having been a part of the best years of Carolina's uh, run with him, like, what was what were those conversations like as much as you can share? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to speak for Greg, who loves Ron Rivera, right? I mean, he's got the utmost respect for Ron Rivera and, you know, playing for him and winning a lot of games for him and going to the Super Bowl with him. So I know as a man, he loves him. I know as a head coach, you know, he loves him as well. And I think, look, you could cite a lot of things of what did happen or didn't happen, but the reality is you got to win. And the reality is they didn't find a quarterback. That's it. I mean, I, I think you, you, there's a lot of things, but I think if you're going to narrow it down, Craig, um, I, I don't show me the head coach that has won consistently without a quarterback. Um, and, you know, you can make the case. Okay. You say, well, Kyle Shanahan's had a, a little bit of rotation out there, right? He figured out a way to win. Okay. You can make that argument, but Jimmy G was pretty good for them. And Brock Purdy's been excellent for them. Um, just, just show me the coach. I, I I don't I don't know who that is. And the reality is, since they moved on from Kirk Cousins, they haven't figured it out. And so until they do, it's not going to matter. Yeah, no, that's that's certainly a huge part of it. And I think, like you said earlier too, the 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 setup was just so bad, and like the culture. Like the idea that Ron could change the culture never worked because Ron was doing a million things other than being a football coach. And now Dan Quinn just gets to be a football coach because Adam's in charge and you have a better leadership structure from the top. I think all of those things. There were endless problems, Kevin. We we saw what happened here. Yeah. There's like, like, there's problems it, for days and weeks and months. It, there's been it, – it's gone on for a long time, right? But that's the hope with the new ownership group and, and some new pieces in the front office and leadership by Adam and, and Dan, right? The hope is it's going to be different. And look, by the way, on the quarterback thing, I'm not saying Sam Howell can't be the guy, you know? And maybe the, maybe they draft a guy too. Maybe they stick with Sam. Yeah, I thought that he was put in a, a tough position. And they, they threw the ball a million times with him last year. He, he didn't have a lot of help. I thought he did some really good things, um, you know, and he's got some talent. I, I like Sam. So, 
I'm not saying that they don't have the quarterback now. I'm just saying that the structure that was there, along with the rotation of quarterbacks, and they had a bunch, as you know, it's just got to be better. They have to figure that part out. And, you know, I think they all know that. But I, I, I just will say, you know, I understand what fans are, you know, looking for the, they're looking for the light switch in Washington to turn it on because it's an unbelievable fan base that's been dormant. They haven't had a lot to cheer about in a long, long time. But I do like what they've done this offseason. Like, let's start there and we'll see where it goes. But at least right now, I, I'm on board with it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And um, it's so hard to try to make sense of what that roster was last year because, again, just so many issues, coaching staff, environment, et cetera. Um, and that's that's going to be Adam Peters and Dan Quinn's job to sort through it all, see what they have. Um, last thing I want to ask you, though, on the way out is Kevin Burkhart, play-by-play for Fox Sports as our guest, is what does this do for Dallas? Um, because, obviously, that's, a, that's an in-division opponent two times a year. Going to see them. Mike McCarthy now, like – He's on the weirdest hot seat you see in professional sports, which is, hey, dude, you've won 12 games, three straight years. Excellent job. Do it again and do better or you're going to get fired. He's now got to replace his defensive coordinator, and it looks like DQ might be bringing some of his top lieutenants here to D.C. Where does this leave the Cowboys going into next year? Well, I, it's going to be a tough guy to replace, right? But I, I, I'll be curious to see if they stay in-house. Or if they go, you know, outside, you know, I, I look, I think, you know, Greg Olson said this on the playoff game. I, I, I think they were right. I agree with Greg. I think they were right to keep Mike McCarthy. You know, Dak Prescott had the best year of his career. I don't think it was an accident. You know, Mike McCarthy knows how to coach quarterbacks. Um, and offensively, they were fantastic this year. They laid an egg in the playoff game. Like that's on everybody, right? I, and I, of course, the head coach gets some of the blame, but I always, I always think, who are, you, who are you going to do to be better? Who's going to be better? If you get rid of him or if you change quarterbacks or whatever it is, that's fine. Who's going to be better? So I think it was smart. They brought back Mike McCarthy. And now to replace DQ, yeah, I think that'll be interesting. It's been a good pairing. They really have, they, they've really worked well together. They've got a lot of respect for each other. And that defense, I think a big part of that defense, when you know Cowboys with that explosive offense would get the lead, they would kind of unleash the D. The thing where the D, you know, some, you know, sometimes last year when they got behind, they had trouble stopping the run because they didn't really have the personnel to stop it. You know, a lot of those hybrid players, they didn't have like the big linebackers or the super big interior linemen to get that done. So I'm curious. Look, I think if they stay in house, they've got some really good candidates. Maybe it's an Al Harris, who's their secondary coach, who's done some great things, obviously, with the secondary. I know Mike Zimmer came out yesterday and said he'd be interested in that job. That's a really interesting yeah. option considering. Uh, you know, which I think could work and work with their personnel. So I think they've got a lot of options, but I, I think it'll be different. And I, I think they may try to approach it a little bit differently. Um, but I don't think it'll be easy. Dan did an amazing job there. That's why he's got another head coaching job. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, Kevin Burkhart, Fox Sports. You, you see him on the lead game every single week of the NFL season. KB, hopefully uh, we get a chance to run into each other next week in Vegas. I know you got so much going on. But uh, regardless of whether I get to see you in person or not, always appreciate your time on the show. And hopefully uh, uh, nice and easy travels for you. And, and we'll see you out there. Craig, good to catch up, man. Be well. Talk soon. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980 live on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980, where if you're watching... 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's Chris Russell joining me backstage here live at the Bethesda Theater. Hello, Craig Hoffman. How are you? I'm good. That was a little bit of like a pageant wave that you did. Uh, you know, I mean, it's weird, like with all these, you know, I've never been on TV before, so I have no yes, idea what have. it's like You've to be on, on camera. You're well, on TV every week I mean, on DC News Now. Uh, yeah, but it's through my computer. I've been on TV before. You've so, I mean, TV. I should know, but I mean, this is a weird contraption setup uh, that you have. I mean, you do it big time. I mean, I'm just a measly little radio show, you know, in middays. You, you break out the studio lights. You got the donut lights, whatever these things are called. called. You got ring lights. Yeah, ring lights. You got rods all over the place. You got fancy schmancy little buttons over here. I I mean, I like I am nothing. I am, as Doug Williams once said, I am small potatoes. I don't think he said that that about a good thing, but. I don't know that that was a Doug Williams phrase. It was. It was. He was the first guy ever in the history of the world to say that. Well, it's the one that I could think of at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Yet we do all this stuff and the boss band loves to remind me, we pay you to do a radio show. Yes. So the people driving in the cars. Hi, hi, radio people. Yeah, we like. How are you? We, we love. We love. All, I love all of you equally. I can't speak for anybody else. I here. mean, I I love them too. Anybody that listens uh, to me rant rave for three hours certainly, and anybody that listens to the radio station, I'm very thankful for, very appreciative, and we look forward to seeing some of you out here tonight. Yes, indeed. What scares you the most about this event tonight? What excites you the most about this event tonight? Well, I, I mean, listen. If you go into it, if you're me, a loudmouth, obnoxious fool, sometimes if you go into this thinking you're not going to get shredded and diced up like I don't know um, the commander's defense in 2023 that's a good that's a good comparison 31st in the league 32nd in the league depending on what statistical category we're talking about yeah I mean if you go into this thinking it's not going to be that way and everybody's going to be nice and everything's going to be great and you know rooster we love you and and you're perfect and you're this and you're that and you're just a lovable guy if you go into it thinking like that you're going to probably walk away if you're me sorely disappointed um (laughs) So I've taken the approach of I'm excited for the event, number one. I think it's a really cool idea. Bolt yeah. stations getting together on stage, all that, having some fun. You know, everybody can relax and have some, you know, drinks and do it responsibly and all that great little setup that Notoriously we have. Notoriously what everybody on that stage is known for. Exactly. But, I mean, it's, 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 it's a great setup that they have here at the Bethesda Theater. I mean, it looks really yeah, awesome looks with awesome. the tables and the, you know, chair, whatever. So everybody's going to have a good time. But I know going into this thing, I'm going to get shredded like mozzarella. I know that I'm going to walk away feeling less of myself. I'm good with that. I'm good with that. Considering where your self-esteem is at all times, <laughs> as you're just like, me, the loudmouthed, obnoxious guy that nobody likes. <laughs> Let me tell you, Chris, I don't know. I'm a little scared about that. I'm going to stand uh, up for you. I mean, you're not that worried, right? Because nobody makes no. that much fun of you, well, do that's, they? That's the thing. Is like, I wonder if I just wind up catching some grenades because yeah. like, people look at it as their shot. No, I, I think I'm going to catch the grenades. I think you're going to catch the shrapnel. How about that? Probably. The other thing that... Um, Oh, what was I going to say? Uh, this is a great – This here's good material for people. Um, oh, here's what I was going to ask. So, you know when they do, like, the presidential debates, what they will do is they will have – because th- that's kind of what the setup reminds mm-hmm. me of is there's mm-hmm. there's 11 chairs out right. there with microphones, and, you know, everyone's going to want to get their takes off because none of us have any ego at all. Yeah. Um, and so they do, like, the count of the mic time of, like, who – oh, this person spoke, spoke for, for – X- who leads the stage in in mic time? Who comes in last? I think 
if I had to guess, I would say Johnny Cakes Allville from the Junkies leads because if you remember at the Burgundy and Sold event at the bullpen the day that Josh Harris officially took over, he was kind of like star. the lead star, the lead MC, what have you, and a couple yes. of us contribute and whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I would guess, I would guess that he's probably going to have the most time. Now, I've seen the rundown. Yeah. I know that there's, you know, I know that you're, you and Grant and you know, Danny and whatever are doing different things. I, I, I'm not listed. <laughs> so it's either CK saying, screw that guy, or he's going to talk so much, even though he's not on the rundown, that we're not going to give him any extra time. Well, so I get to play point guard for one of the sessions where I right. get to, where I'm leading our Super Bowl 58 discussion. So yes. that'll be fun. So I, I know at the very least that I will go, I will, I will set other people up for that. I, I'm game if you want to talk Super Bowl right, 58. If, if, uh, we'll make a deal right now. Okay. If you haven't said a word by the time that I get to... <laughs> what are the chances of that? Throw a pass. I'll be like, hey, Russell. That's like halfway into the show, if I remember yeah. correctly, or something like that. Yeah. What are the chances now, to, that I haven't said a word? To be fair... Small. Uh, to be fair... Small potatoes. Yeah, there there is a nice chunk of that where John Allen is going to be yes, a featured that is, star. that is fair. Um, you, you know what I'm not going to be doing? Talking when John Allen is talking, because he can eat all of us for lunch or dinner. I mean, that's just the net. I'm not doing that. I'm no. not interrupting him. No, I think I, – and plus, I think part of what makes you good at these jobs is you have to understand what your audience is after. And for as much as they're coming to an event for our radio stations, and clearly uh, we have a lot of our, our biggest fans and, and we're very grateful for the support, I, they'd probably rather hear from John Allen. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, listen, um, I know it was a disappointing year for the football club. I know it was a really disappointing team uh, de- uh, year for the defense. But Jonathan Allen, I, I mean, I don't know if he's going to stay here or not. Uh, yeah. you, you know, I mean, the contract I is. I think that will probably come up tonight. Yeah, the contract is somewhat tradable. I, I don't know if it's fully tradable. kind of depends on your perspective. But. The way I look at this, and I, I mean, I've, of course, with segue into Dan Quinn is, and, and I don't know if you disagree. I mean, I've heard bits and pieces of, of your show mm-hmm. since Dan Quinn has taken over. When in lieu of right now having that that stud outside pass rushing linebacker, or quite honestly, even that stud four three defensive end, right. which they traded away in Montez Sweat and or Chase Young, Montez more than Chase. Yeah. Of course, they will add to that in free agency and the draft. We all understand that. But in lieu of that right now, right now, what I think might mostly prevent a Jonathan Allen trade, and of course, Deron Payne I don't think is going anywhere, is the fact that those two are your, your bulldogs. Those two are your horses to get a pass rush going and obviously try and cl- – and I think you mentioned yesterday, I thought this was a really good point if I just point that out, and I'm sure you don't Payne. mind a compliment. Um, the, you know, the, 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 using Deron Payne as a, as a down yeah. defensive end I think is something that I hadn't quite thought of. But if you look at Dan Quinn – what is he like? Look, Michael we'll Parsons what, is a tremendous. Athlete. Instead of trying to, to, to squeeze this oh, into yeah. like thirty seconds yeah. here, let's let's. We had fun talking about this. Yes, let's talk ball next. I I because sorry, I talked. For, too much. No, you're good. Um, because of uh, you know, obviously all the I think consternation about the process. Mm-hmm. Like, there's been so much talk about that, and Quinn hired, and he's got to do this. Let's actually talk some football next. And plus, let's, do it. let's let's be honest. When we get out there later, they're not going to let us talk. No, about no. It's going to be uh, not those silly chaos. 980 guys.
Uh, I just meant football in general. Like, oh, yeah. I, I don't, oh, yeah. Maybe that's going to be my end with John. Like, John, can I ask you a football question? Uh, <laughs> Russell and I are going to actually talk some X's and O's and what we've seen from Dan Quinn and how it fits uh, what's left of this roster next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980. We're live from the Bethesda Theater, also streaming live on YouTube. Wrapping up Hour 2 of the Hoffman Show here on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Chris Russell with us for one more segment. Uh, we'll see if anybody else pops in. I probably could have guessed who, who would be here first, who are the responsible ones. I mean, the, the fan guys aren't going to be here until, you know, what do we start at, 8 o'clock? Well, especially the junkies. 7.45 I mean, Yeah, at least. I, you know, so. like I'm only here – uh, because we had nowhere else to go. Matt and I were going to go uh, for a happy hour, but right. we couldn't. It was too cold outside. We couldn't figure out the parking lot. It was weird. Uh, we couldn't figure out how to get in the building. That was weird. It took us a while to get through the credentialing process and what you know, very popular stuff, right? Very yeah. tight, secured uh, entry. And, and then we were like, or I was like, it's like five twenty-five. The bar's like four blocks away. Happy hour ends at six. What are we going to subject ourselves right. to the cold? And then we come back here, and, and it's, it's like Nanook in the north it, back here. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's pretty chilly back here. Yeah. Uh, the jacket is definitely staying on. Yeah. I kind of wish I had another one, but it's fine. I'll probably take a take a lap after this. Just start this. working out, warm, Hoffman. Warm That's my, what you're, you know. Warm my hands up. Yeah. And just start working out. I, I, I did enough working out today, and I got a beast of a one tomorrow. It's, it's, I didn't it's do ugly. enough working it's out a, today. My workout okay. was walking up and down a couple of flights of stairs and from the parking garage over to so, here. Some days that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Some days that's what it is. Okay, let's talk some football. Um, you look at what Dan Quinn has done in his career. He has been a guy who has been adaptable. Mm -hmm. um, he's adapted to kind of what offenses are doing. Obviously, his cover three system in Seattle was mm -hmm. one that was the dominant force in the league for a while. Teams figured out how to beat it or how to put it in conflict. He goes to Atlanta. Eventually, he's like, we got to tweak this thing. He makes the tweaks in Dallas. They're great on defense. You look at what he's done, some of the things that are through lines, the principles, and this roster, which is going to look very different, but there are some pieces that we imagine will be here. Mm -hmm. Early thoughts on the, on the fit. It really, because like they can remake the team over time, right? When we look at twenty twenty four, early. Thoughts. So what I'm what I'm fascinated by, right? I mean, we we all expected to be a four three, right? Yes. I mean, so yes. so that let's start there. What I'm fascinated by is he played, you know, played a lot of man in Dallas, right? You mentioned the cover three with the Legion of Boom and sure, you know, but that was an aggressive cover three. That wasn't a, you know, off man, you know, like like they were in people's face at the line of scrimmage, right? So. I, I just assume we're going to see a blend of things, but I would think I would think that you're going to probably see more of what he ran in Dallas, depending on the personnel. Like if Kendall Fuller is resigned, you probably shouldn't run more man, right? If yeah. you know, so it, I guess it, it. And Emmanuel Forbes was was you know drafted to be a zone corner, right, with his eyes, and so so right now you would think. Okay, wait a second. Zone fits, but Kendall Fuller may not be back. So if Kendall Fuller's not be back, who I, I don't think you can play man with him consistently, can you convert, you know, a, again, Emmanuel Forbes into more of a man corner? Can you, uh, can you get something out of Christian Holmes, who was a man corner at Oklahoma State when he was drafted? Can you... Uh, who's the other guy that I'm thinking about? I mean, uh, Benjamin St. Just, who who the, was the more wild card in all of right, this. but he was more of a man press guy at Minnesota, right? I remember talking to his uh, former defensive coordinator, uh, and and obviously in the tape. So I'm curious to find. I, I think what kind of primary, and maybe you have a different opinion, and obviously you watch way more tape than I do. 
I'm kind of curious to see what happens with Kendall Fuller, and that'll be maybe a, a an indicator if Dan doesn't come so. out and say what kind of coverage we're going to see more of on the back end. Which, to be clear, he won't. Uh, yes. Why would you give that away before the season? Fair. Uh, you know, maybe you know. There's going to be. I think there's probably going to start with a mix, and then yeah. you know over time they adapt and evolve. I. But well, you I, would agree with that in general. Yeah, no, or? I think I think Fuller could be a bit of an indicator, yeah. but also like. You know, Kendall might just want to go somewhere else. Right, right, I think right. Kendall's probably enjoyed both of his stints here. I think this is this does feel like home for him. But if he wants to win another ring yeah. with where he is age-wise, getting in his, his uh, late 20s, he's probably going to wind up going somewhere else. Yeah. So I think that's a good that's a good point. Forbes is fascinating because he was so poorly coached last year. Mm-hmm. Like, what can, what can real NFL defensive mm-hmm. backs coaches do with him? And God forbid – Benjamin St. Juice finally developed some ball skills. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that, like, key to me is the biggest wild card because two years ago and even early at times last year, he's in position all the time mm-hmm. to make plays. Mm-hmm. And he just is so incapable of finishing them. It's really frustrating for everyone, including Benjamin. And it's always yeah. been who he's been. It's who he was at Michigan, Minnesota, and then, then every year in Washington. If they can work with him on that, and by the way, Dan Quinn's Dallas defense is the most ball-hawking defense that there was the last couple of years. You know, Diggs a couple of years ago, uh, Deron Bland this past year, he becomes a really fascinating piece. Really fascinating. And, and I think, I, I don't know how you feel about this. I can't remember what you guys said during the season, but maybe I'm missing something. I don't want him in the slot. I, I don't him. mind him in the slot, okay. actually. Um, he's he's actually because of his size, all right. Well, he's got this combination of size and feet that is right. just rare. It's not that he's bad. I I, I think he, for me, his skill set translates more to outside. But, Traditionally, yeah. but the the I think the the um, how do I want to put this? The profile. That's actually the right word. The profile of a slot receiver has changed. Like that's slot true. That's true. You always right. look like Santana you're right. Moss. You're right. You're and right. Now all of a sudden you got like you're, do you no. Have, you're right. Do you you're have right. Jackson Smith and Jigba? Yeah. Sure. But you've yeah. also got C.D. Lamb who lines up in the slot all the time. Well, and 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 just to that point, right? Even when when you don't have a bigger natural slot receiver, teams say when they're game planning, and of course this makes sense, is they'll take a six three. 220-pound receiver or maybe even a bigger receiver than that and say, okay, because I know that team plays with a smaller, thinner nickel, I'm going to take advantage of that matchup as opposed to, you know, so you could do different things. The, the, the whole genesis of the point is, I think, you know, I don't want to speak for you, is Dan Quinn has shown an adaptability through the years, like you said, cover three, aggressive at the line of scrimmage, though, with it, not just playing off-man coverage or anything like that, uh, or off-coverage, I should say, then kind of a mix of everything in Atlanta and then kind of uh, uh, you know more man and more aggressive, if you will, uh, in Dallas. And we all know the ball hawk skills and all that stuff. I, I, I'm so intrigued to see how it's going to ultimately look, but I don't know if we know how it's going to look until we get the personnel to of see, course. okay, what they're planning. And look, let's be clear, that could be years away. Yeah. Like, you know, I say no, years, right. not, not seven, like one right. or two. Um, but I, I will say the thing that excites me about Quinn on a principal level is he marries rushing coverage as well as mm-hmm. any DC in the league. And part of the reason that those corners in Dallas get all those picks is because they know the rush is going to get home. Mm-hmm. He generates pressure. And, and don't forget, Dan Quinn was a D-line coach. That's yeah. his background. Yeah, you're right. And so he knows how to use you know the pieces, which is why like 
I mean, if you, there is, I want to say there's not an amount of money I wouldn't pay for Brian Burns to try to get him out of Carolina. But with all that, with the league leading him out of cap space, mm-hmm. I'm not getting outbid for Brian Burns. Like, well, if, well here's here's I the thing that I was thinking he's about. He's probably going to get franchise tag. Yeah, I was going to say right. Which I would not trade a bunch right. of stuff for him. But right. like, there's a couple of guys where I'd be like. How do I get my hands on that mm-hmm. guy? And it, yeah, mm-hmm. it's frustrating that Sweat's, you know, Sweat could be a, a phenomenal player mm-hmm. for him, for them here, but, you know, and it's a thin edge class, but it is something that's going to, I think, be fascinating. I think the other really interesting football thing, and I've said this a couple times, so I can get a quick reaction from you so I don't bore my audience with the same point for the seventh time in two days, but that Dallas defense was super light through the mm-hmm. middle, mm-hmm. and that was kind of their, their Achilles heel. Mm-hmm. He's inheriting John, Duran, yep. and Jamin. Yeah. That's that is a thick spine to your defense, right. and we'll see. Obviously, if Cam Crow sure. is signed as well, sure. I think that's going to be the most fascinating thing. Like the back end, interesting. The front seven, how he how he chooses to build and attack that, I think is is the key to the whole. No, thing. it's a great point, absolutely. And I hadn't really talked about the point. the The one thing I would ask you then is if you're looking at this defense right now, besides the obvious, again making decisions on Fuller and Cam Curl. And maybe your philosophy is Mike, uh, like a true Mike linebacker, or is it a true edge rusher? Whatever we define that is, whether it's a four-three end or you know a chameleon type guy like Micah Parsons turned out to be, or mm. I guess an outside linebacker in the four-three. Like, what is the most important one-piece cornerstone element that this team has to add right now this offseason? That's a great question because I'm thinking back. The best player on the Seattle defense was probably Earl Thomas. So they had this unbelievable mm-hmm. safety, which is the mm-hmm. whole key to their cover three, mm-hmm. right? Dallas, the best player, and the kind of the key to everything they do is is Parsons. Mm-hmm. So I think I think what's very clear is you need like an A level stud, and then you build it around that. Because mm-hmm. Earl Thomas made cover three work because the middle third of the field wasn't actually a third; it was right. like you know five he was a eights. pencil eraser. Yeah, yeah, he was just like, okay, you guys get the boundaries, right. and I've got everything between right. the, the the numbers. Um, I would say a, a, a stud edge would be the number one thing. But, like, that's Seattle defense. Also, at Bobby mm-hmm. Wagner. Mm-hmm. So, that seems pretty Well, that's where well. I'm leaning. You know, like yeah. a true – I mean, when was the last time this team had a true dynamic Mike? London, London Fletcher in yeah. his prime. Yeah. Right? It's, it's been a long time. time. Been, it, it certainly has. I mean, you don't see them working with Jamin Davis to try and do what they this staff did in his rookie year, right? To try and convert him to a true I Mike, doubt right? It. But maybe, I mean, maybe. But like, is Barton under contract? I don't know. He was a one-year deal. He was deal. a one-year yeah. guy, so. And yeah. Khalid Hudson is a free agent as well. Yeah. So I, not I that think he's a true yeah. Mike. But, no, he's definitely know. not a Mike. Mayo, I think, is a free agent as well. Yeah. You know, but see, I mean, see where Ron gets yeah. it up. Uh, that's where you'll find David Mayo. Um, <laughs> all due respect to David Mayo. Yeah. He's very good at the very few yeah. things that he does very well. Was that nice enough? Uh, it was, it, I mean, gonna, it was nice. We're going to make it. Yeah. Work. All right. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do with it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be talking about it, obviously. A lot of speculation until they start playing games, but through it all, uh, Chris Russell, 1-4 to four on the Team 980. Of course, our show, 4 till whenever there's a basketball game on any given day. Like 6.45 tonight. Like 6.45 tonight, which means what happens at 6.15? Dave Johnson. Hey, he really does listen I listen. To I he, listen. He listens. I he listen. Turned, it's funny. Uh, my wife sometimes will be like, why did you just turn into Jerry Seinfeld? <laughs> 
So I'm going to ask you, why did you just turn into Jerry Seinfeld? I listened to the show. Well, you've got the Jewish part down, and I've got the New York part down, right? Bingo, bingo. So, I mean, there you go. Right? That is right, right? Yes, that is correct. I just want to make sure I remember that correctly. Shabbat shalom, everybody. All right, when we get back, a little bit more on Dan Quinn, some more thoughts on the offensive side of the ball, and then Dave. Dave does join us coming up at 6.15.